0: Here in Romans chapter 8, as you read through it, you find an awful lot of groaning going on. Three groans for glory. That is the title of today's broadcast. Welcome, join us. Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse coming your way in just a moment. And welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. We would invite you to join us today here in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 19. Our series is simply entitled, Three Groans for Glory, and we'll take a look at the groaning that goes on, for the glory of God, creation does a lot of this groaning as well. Please join us with an insightful look into Romans chapter 8. Once again, here's Pastor Steve.
1: Today we're looking at Romans chapter 8, and we are going to uh, start here in verse 19. I read a little article this last week, and it was talking about questions that children asked, and this one child was asking questions like, you know, why, why do bees sting us and hurt us? Why do weeds grow in the grass? and in the flowers, when we try so hard not for that to happen. Why do people get sick? This one little child asked, why did my friend in school get cancer and have to go through treatments and lose all their hair? How embarrassing that would be. Why did that have to happen? Why did my grandmother get sick and have to die? One child asked, why are there major catastrophes in the world. Floods and hurricanes and tornadoes that maim and kill people. One asked, why do people want to use guns and bombs to hurt innocent people? As we've seen this last week. And we know the answer to all those questions. It's sin. It's the fallen nature of the world in which we live. And one day, God will ultimately cleanse the world of all that dishonors him and all that fails to glorify him. But we see here in Romans 8 where Paul is going with this. He starts off with there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And then he talks about why that's so in the previous past uh, chapters because we've been justified before God by Christ's work on the cross. We've been brought into a proper understanding and a proper relationship with our creator God. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he did on our behalf. And then he talks about all those benefits there in verses chapters 6 to 8 that we've looked at. Justification and sanctification. How we're continually being made holy in our walk with Christ day by day. And by the way, none of us are there yet okay we're not we're not completed yet we're a work in project in in process and because we've been justified in Christ Jesus by his work on the cross paul says that we're to consider ourselves dead to sin and we've been brought into union with his son the lord jesus christ and it says in romans 6 that we've become Rather than servants of sin, we become servants of righteousness. We become slaves to righteousness. And we're a new creation in Christ. He transformed us. See, being a Christian is not just adding Jesus to your life. It's realizing that your life needs to go away. That Your, your, your life is, in, is so bad that God has to basically wipe it out and start over. He changes you. The Bible says that all things become new. Old things pass away. And so we're freed from the penalty of God's law because of Christ. Now we delight in the law of God. We we seek to please God by by keeping his commandments and doing what he tells us to do because we want to live a life that's honoring to Christ and, and honoring to him. And so we come to verse 1 there in Romans 8. It says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That means that this whoever he's talking about here, has a permanent place of justification before God. They're permanently justified. There's no going back and forth on this. I want to just point you to a couple scriptures. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And remember, the Spirit is the one that's kind of doing all this work in our hearts and in our lives. And so... In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, and all these verses that we're going to read right now speak to the Spirit's work in our life as far as, as really keeping us saved. And it says there, Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with what? The promise, Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. Who is a guarantee of our inheritance. What's that mean? It means he's a down payment. He's an engagement ring. He's, 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 he's something that God gives us to secure us in our inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. See, the Ho- Holy Spirit of God makes it impossible for you, if you are truly saved, to ever lose that salvation. That's not ever, ever a possibility. It's never going to happen. When you were saved, the Bible says that you were purchased by God. And even though you don't have your full inheritance yet, the Bible says, the Spirit is the guarantee that you will have it. Look at over at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We know this verse well. Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul writes, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? When God begins a work, he finishes it. That's it. There's no if, ands, or buts there. You can't stop and say, well, what, what if, you know, he didn't come up with some scenario where it wouldn't be finished? No. If God begins a work in you, it says that he will Perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is that agent that he works through. He he deposits that spirit in our lives when we come to Christ. And he gives us the power to live a life that is honoring to Christ. And when we're listening to the Spirit and we're yielding to the Spirit and we're being filled and controlled by the Spirit, you know what? We're living a life that's honoring to Christ. But when we're not listening to the Spirit, and we're not yielding to the Spirit, and we're not filled with the Spirit, we're living a life that's filled with sin and self and the flesh. But the mere fact that the Spirit is within us should assure us that that work has begun, and he will complete it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Paul says this, You are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. It doesn't say, well, you might, or possibly, or maybe if you do this or you do that. It doesn't say that. It says your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we're going to appear with him in glory. And then the last verse I want to share with you is out of uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And all these speak to the nature of our salvation that we're secure in Christ. And I'll tell you why I'm I'm sharing this with you in in a few moments. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He just gets done rattling off these staccato things that he wants them to do, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, all this stuff. Don't quench the spirit, abstain from every form of evil. Then in verse 23, Paul says, now may the God of peace himself, not somebody else, himself sanctify you partly. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says completely. Sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The reason I share those passages with you, beloved, is because they speak to the assurance of our salvation. They speak to the nature of our salvation that it's secure in Christ, that it's not up for grabs. That if you commit your life to Christ, if you come to to salvation through Christ Jesus, and you repent of your sins, and you you bow before him and say, Lord, it's not my way anymore. It's your way. And you know what? I acknowledge my sinful selfishness before this, and I want to give all that up. And I want to do what you want me to do. And you trust in his work on the cross, not your work here on earth, but his work on the cross for your salvation. Then you know what? The Bible says that he will save you. That he will transform you. That he will make you a new creature in Christ. But you know what? Here on this earth, we're dealing with suffering every day. Every single day, to some form or fashion, we go through some kind of suffering. Now, it may not be like a lot of the Christians in the Middle East are having their heads lopped off. I mean, that's true suffering. Or having their family slaughtered. I mean, we live in a country where we have the freedom to gather here and worship the Lord our God without fear of some government agency coming in and closing us down. I don't know how long that will last. I think there's going to come a day when certain beliefs that are biblical, certain issues that we know as sinful issues, when we call them Sin, I think eventually they'll be classified as that's going to be a hate crime. We hmm. don't want you doing any hate crime, so you can't tell us that homosexuality is a sin. We're not going to allow you to say that. If you say that, then we're going to come in and we're going to yank your nonprofit status. So now you've got to pay taxes on all the property you own, churches. I mean, churches are already capitulating to this, they're already bowing down. We just need to get ready. But every day we go through some form of sacrifice or suffering in our walk with Christ if our walk with Christ is legit. If our walk with Christ is not legit, I've, I've said this to people before and they say, Well, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'm a Christian and nobody, I don't go through any suffering. I mean, life's good. You know, everybody doesn't say anything to me about my faith. My answer is, there's something wrong with your faith. There's something terribly wrong. You can't live in a world in which this world has become and stand up for Christ and not feel some blowback from that. That's not going to be welcomed. They're not going to put their arms around you and say, hey, let's just sing Kumbaya, you know, we get it. You're a little more conservative than we are. No. I mean, these people are are, are getting to the point of being hateful. And so every day we're dealing with issues and we're thinking, man, when is this, is this, am I going to make it through this? And those verses say, yes, you will. You will make it through because it's God that it's work in you. He will complete what he's begun. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. We don't have to go to, to bed at night worrying about ISIS or worrying about our president or worrying about our government or worrying about who the next president is going to be. I think God's got that all worked out. I think he's still on the throne the last time I checked. And yeah, he's allowing Satan to do his dirty work down here, but that's going to last for a while. But you know what? God is still in control, beloved. Don't ever forget that. I always remember what, what John MacArthur said at, a, I don't know if it was a conference or a sermon, I don't know where I heard him say it, but he said this. Because they were asking him about the election, and they were asking him about the candidates. And he said, you know what? He said, I do my citizen duty and go and vote. But I just want you to know that none of this has anything to do with the kingdom of God whatsoever. Nothing. So don't get all worked up about it. I mean, you know, I get worked up about it. (laughs) I stand. We were at dinner last night, man. I was (laughs) ranting and raving over the political stuff that's going on. You know, we got on that topic and I just can't talk about this, you know. Because, you know, it, it really causes me to get in a place i shouldn't be and then i remember driving home wait you know what god's in control he's going to get us through this you know we we believe i think falsely because we live in america that somehow we live in a in a country that's isolated from god's judgment that somehow well, god bless america you know i mean you come here i mean there's no way god would ever cause any problems here hello Read the paper, Open. read the news, look at what's going on around us. God has removed his hand of blessing from our country, beloved. If you can't figure that out, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. This country is not being blessed. It's just that it's been blessed for so many years that now the hand of judgment is upon it. Some of the blessings are still being kind of having their benefits. But you can't kill unborn babies to the tune of what our country does and glorify sin the way our country does and say, oh yes, our country's blessed by God. No, it's not. And I, and I tell that to you because, you know what? God is still at work though. He's still at work in you. He's still at work in me. He's still completing that work of salvation that he began. And he's going to see it to the end. Remember last week we talked about suffering being the path to glory. And I said that there's no such thing as salvation without glorification. There's no way that you can be saved and one day not be glorified. There's no way that somehow you're going to shortchange that process if you're truly saved. You can't lose it. Some people say, well, you know, you call it the perseverance of the saints. We persevere to the end by God's grace. Some people call it, well, you know, once saved, always saved. I'm not real fond of that term because it, it sounds cheap to me. It sounds like, you know, what over here you can make some profession of Christ and then go do whatever you want, and over here you're living in sin. And somebody says, oh, you know, aren't you afraid of God's sin? Oh no, no, no! I, 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 I you know, accepted Christ at a VBS camp or at a youth camp or whatever when I was ten. I'm good. <laughs> Really? See, that, that kind of mentality, un- unfortunately, they never had salvation to begin with. You know, they're, they're the folks in, in, in Romans or in Matthew 7, right? Hey, Lord, Lord, uh, <laughs> remember us? Uh, no, I don't think I do. But our salvation is a work of God and he began it in eternity past. He brings it to the, the present and he will continue it to the future. And you have to remind ourselves, we have to remind ourselves that God is in control. His plan is being carried out. Nothing trumps his plan. Not even Mr. Trump. Okay? And, and see, we need to remember, you know, because I don't know about you, but I mean, if you have grandkids, if you have kids, you know, you, you, you get a little worried. I mean, you see what's going on in this world. The wheels are falling off the cart. And it's not going to get any better. And I'm thinking, well, okay, my grandson's 13 now. What's it going to be like in five years? What's it going to be like in 10 years? What's it going to be like when he has kids? What's this world going to be like? And God promises to glorify us if we are saved. And you know what? If someone appears to be saved but abandons the faith, you know, you always hear people say, well, what about, you know, my Uncle Joe, you know, he, he did all this stuff and then now he's not even living for the Lord at all. Denies Christ. Well, he was never saved, right? I mean, you know, 1 John 2.19 talks about that. And so we, we need to remind ourselves that if God has begun that work in our hearts and in our lives, he will complete it. And ultimately, we will be glorified. Because he will do it. It's not up to us. Thank God. And so, when we come back to Romans 8... And I want to talk to you about the three groans. And this is just the first one, the groan of creation today. As we read through this text, you're going to see these three groans. We're just going to cover the first one today. But look, look with me at, we'll be, pick it up in verse 18 of Romans 8. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not... Worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, look, groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What's interesting, that last verse that I read there in verse 30, noticed it's all past tense something that God's already done because God transcends time. We don't understand that, but that's what the word says. Well, let's look at our text for this morning, verses 19 to 22. So we see the groan of creation here. Why is everybody groaning? Look around you, not to your neighbor, not to the guy that's next to you, but, but to the world, okay? I mean, like I said, the wheels are coming off the cart, Uh, It's very important to to realize that not only is creation groaning, but as believers, we're groaning. I'm groaning every day. You know, you get out of bed. oh, Man, Lord, I can't wait. Get rid of this body, get a new one. Amen? Amen. I'm not the only one. And so when you stop and you think about it, this, this groaning... Really has the the idea of of, of just a a um, uh, an anticipa- something that wants to be anticipated, and it says here that creation waits with eager longing, and he kind of takes creation and he makes a person out of it. Since the only place that that the Bible does that Isaiah thirty five one says the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad. Really? The wilderness can be glad? What's he doing? He's, he's personifying creation. Isaiah 55, 12 says, The mountains and the hills, we sing this song once in a while, shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. What's he doing? He's personifying creation. Well, that's what Paul's doing here. And he's saying, you know what? This creation that we see all around us is longing, for glory. It's longing to be transformed. It's longing to be changed. You say, well, changed to what? Back to what God originally designed it to be.
0: Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650 650- That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. And while you're at our website, don't forget to download our mobile app. New and improved and ready to use. Whether you're securely donating online or taking advantage of the podcasts on your mobile phone, simply go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Grace Bible Church Redwood City-CA. Or stop by our website, GracefulTruth.org, and follow the prompts. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.